That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Tubinite, our generic TV show podcast. We're two TV show enthusiasts with no background or training in TV or film, but we love watching shows and then talking about shows while laughing at our own jokes. This season, we're watching Star Trek, the original series, which I've seen before. And I haven't. And this week, we watched episode seven. And again, this is the numbering on the Netflix series. But episode seven, Mud's Women. And both of us, before we even pressed play, did not love the title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess... Like, if I walked up to you in the middle of the street and told you this episode's called Mud's Women, what would you guess it's about? I'd say harem, probably. Yeah, right? Or, Definitely. Or, like, a brothel or something. Yeah, I, like, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't really set you up for success. No, it doesn't, doesn't make you expect the best when it comes to, like, sexual equality or you know equal opportunities for women as actresses on the screen yeah but yeah so with that being said (laughs) spoiler we weren't wrong (laughs) the the title was apt and descriptive yeah and you know having seen this episode I feel like we have now you know developed this patterns less expectation of either going off on a tangent or <laughs> starting yeah. with how we feel rather than going into the synopsis <laughs> so, so as not to break tradition I will say that this episode left me with two feelings one was ew and it'll come up with multiple points how ew it is and then the other was blah because like I don't know it just was so like it was a plot with some potential for you know feelings and emotions and things um but yeah it was just so blah like I've come out of it I don't feel really sort of like fired up to talk about the things that annoyed me nor do I feel really fired up to talk about how good it was it was just blah yeah I don't know if if I'm bringing that energy to the episode today (laughs) (laughs) If it was Mud's women that did it to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if we've maybe kind of set ourselves up to expect either, you know, a fantastic revolutionary episode right. or something that's absolutely terrible when the average is going to be okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be decent. Otherwise, we're not going to keep at it. And so this is one of the episodes that, like, falls squarely on the average or the median if we are prepared to have a non-normal distribution mm-hmm. um of just like well it wasn't fantastic but it also wasn't like super bad i feel like we have experienced worst episodes <laughs> yeah. star trek in and of itself has prepared us for much worse than this I guess. Yeah. So, <laughs> by standard of comparison not that bad yeah. If I were to start with this episode, I don't know if I'd watch the rest of the show to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's definitely not. It doesn't come out swinging. Um, but yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, <laughs> naked time. Um, 
definitely set the bar for disappointment. And this this rose above that bar. Maybe not by a whole lot, but but it did. I prefer this one over the naked time. Naked time was when they all had the the sweat amoeba, right? Uh right. It's they beam down and find the crew on the station on the snow planet mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. all died. And it was kind of like they were drunk. Um the man was dressed in the shower. Yes, that's right. The man who's (laughs) dressed in the shower. And then the ending is uh, time travel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's like the ship is, you know, the orbit is decaying, orbit is decaying, and we need to implode mix antimatter and matter together when they're cold and that's gonna <laughs> theoretically save them but we don't know they do it sends them back three days in time and we found out later that this was supposed to be set up for a two-part episode but yeah. was just sort of reworked into a single episode which didn't work yep yep so that's yep. currently the low part for me <laughs> wasn't the one after that pretty eh as well oh, i'm looking at our notes the enemy within um oh, imposter kirk no i'm sorry the eyeliner was redeeming so yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i gotta say the eyeliner was pretty redeeming i think naked time was the worstest yeah uh, just because of the ending right like the mm-hmm. time travel is just too much it's too mm-hmm. much uh, take note mm-hmm. all people who make science fiction content <laughs> there should really in my opinion my golden rule there should only be one gimmick per episode please <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand why you like this show that much then because there's always without fail at least two gimmicks <laughs> at least two okay like a major gimmick and a minor gimmick then okay that's all, all right. that's all. all right that's all but but you know what in their defense to, to be a shit starter for no reason um <laughs> The time travel wasn't even a gimmick. It was a sentence. And it's like, actually now, you know, because I'm now an expert at seven episodes in. Yeah. Um, the trend is you always have to end with Spock saying something either controversial or very like summing it up in yeah. a way that feels icky or not great. <laughs> yeah. Or just sort of like offhandedly saying something that goes nowhere. So yeah. it wasn't a gimmick. It was a Spockism. That's okay. Okay. If we put it that way, that doesn't actually make it any better for me. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> yeah. We just need to basically mute Spock at the end of the episode. And we'll be mm-hmm. fine. That's the best. Just cut out his last line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Remember, like a few weeks ago, I was like so into Spock's character development. That crashed in for girl passing. <laughs> it's because we haven't had meaningful um, development since then. He's just yeah. been like, he hasn't had character development since then. And so now he's just sort of the stand in. I'm going to say awkward shit to remind everybody that I'm an alien. Um, half an alien. Sorry. That's very half important. an alien. That's right. I think we have figured out somewhere along the line that these episodes were written and filmed in an order that they didn't air in. Yes. So, like, I feel I'm I'm going to speculate that some of the uneven character development, at least with Spock, is due to that, that we're seeing these episodes out of order, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Although to that, I do want to say that, you know, a lot of the plot development that carries over, there isn't a lot of plot development that carries from episode to episode. So most of them stand as freestanding episodes. So you would almost expect not needing long series long character development yeah right so it shouldn't matter at least again from you know a 2021 analysis it shouldn't matter what order things were filmed in or aired in because they are pretty self-contained 
Right. And so like you can have a Spock character arc through an episode that doesn't need to go anywhere further. I fully recognize that. But like, I guess to their credit, not everyone can be the main character of every episode. Sometimes you're right. just going to have people sort of floating around. And yep. then Spock is just sort of in the background doing nothing is when he feels the most um, underdeveloped or underutilized, yeah. which makes sense. He's not doing much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking more in the sense of like, uh, uh, like the, the writers themselves, like mm-hmm. Gene Roddenberry, if he's, you know, he got some episodes, but he's still, you know, as you develop. Yeah. More as you write more stories, you develop more of the characters. Sure. So that's more what I was thinking is like maturity of the writing room in a sense. That's fair. Yeah. No, yeah. That's valid. But yeah. But yeah, no, we I had guess. a Spockism in this one as well. Yeah. Um, and as you know, in our in our uh, now acknowledged uh, acceptance of major gimmick and minor gimmick, the minor mm-hmm. gimmick, as usual, was the ship's going to explode. Yeah. You know, a countdown to ship exploding through poor resource management and or general poor leadership with lack of foresight and not you know listening to your department heads and (laughs) their input as (laughs) pressing or important and prioritizing captain's hero complex above all else as usual so yeah it's fucking Kirk's fault. Um, yeah. In his defense, a little bit, I will say that, like, as time goes on, it just seems like the Enterprise is just sort of cobbled together and has a lot of serious design flaws. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, you're operating within this, this ship as his mistress or wife. That's or right. Whatever. Yeah, geez, you, you're such an ass. <laughs> yeah, this is an abusive marriage. Like, you're huh. letting her her resources run dry basically every episode so you're like essentially you know exploiting this poor shit yeah geez has done nothing but like let you do whatever it is that you need to do on your heroic exploits but yeah i don't know i just like personally i think i'm really loving sort of the dynamic in a frustrated i hate it kind of way but (laughs) loving it (laughs) the dynamic between scotty and girk because scotty is just like proving to be so level-headed so logical and so like wonderfully thoughtful in a lot of ways about like the ship and he's like basically essentially the only one telling Kirk he's being dumb but yeah like are you freaking kidding me yeah exactly so like (laughs) he continues to do that and every time we have the ships about to collapse minor gimmick which is you know now running on like five or seven I think but I don't know yeah um he is constantly we can't do that there's no alternative power like i don't know what you think this is it's not magic it's a ship it's It's a ship ship. (laughs) we we can't create matter we can only work with what we have (laughs) right very finite resources captain very Very finite (laughs) yeah 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 Like, I know you always want us to pull our asses and, you know, we've managed to get away with it more times than maybe we should have because (laughs) I would love a space-based show where sometimes things just go wrong and then that's it. You know, there's no, like, traveling back in time three days to salvage things. Totally. But, yeah, no, Scotty's very much on the, like, this is physics, bro. This is just how it works. Like, sometimes it works out in your crazy favor, but, like... (laughs) It's also just physics. <laughs> yeah. I'm not particularly interested in you being a Gary Sue, Gary Stu. Yes. Um, 
yes. this is this yes. is how it is bro <laughs> like your hero complex admirable from afar but when you know it relies on things that aren't possible is a problem for me because now you're yeah. telling me to do magic engineering and that's pretty much you know, even in space times not really a thing, a thing. although maybe that's <laughs> questionable based on the episode so far i don't know yeah <laughs> but anyhow all that to lead into this episode <laughs> mud's women so yeah we open in a pretty frenzied flurried first few minutes where i think between both of us watching it simultaneously we had to collectively figure out exactly what was happening so they were in pursuit of an unidentified vessel i don't know how they identified this unidentified vessel or came across it i don't know if the unidentified vessel put itself there on purpose because from later on in the episode that wouldn't be out of character for Mm -hmm. the captain but anyway so they're in pursuit of this vessel and they keep you know, trying to contact it and there's no response, no acknowledgement. And the other vessel is not a very big one and not in the best shape. And it's pushing itself too hard, is incapable of maintaining the pace and, you know, like manner in which it's traveling without basically imploding. And especially now, of course, to add another minor gimmick to the minor gimmick, you have an asteroid belt approaching and, you know, this little ship is in major trouble and the Enterprise is trying to save it and help it, and the little ship's just not acknowledging. Spock finally has a read on it because they don't know at this point if it's an Earth vessel or not, and it's some cargo ship. And, you know, in I tried to capture this in writing, but you really can't. But Spock has, like, an interesting tone when he talks about, like, the the problem the ship is imminently going to face and he talks about how the engines are superheating yeah (laughs) there's this little sing song thing which sounds a bit like it feels like a bit of a throwback to one of the earlier episodes when he's clearly like taken on the role of um i don't know like a nautical actual ship second in command who like sings everything yeah which was like thank god we've moved past that yeah Um, And it reminds me a little bit, sorry, I may make a couple of references, but basically it was reminiscent of, even though the timing is all different, of um, Alan Rickman's Snape and how he (laughs) says things. (laughs) Very much how I would expect Alan Rickman as the communications or whatever Spock's position first, I don't know, officer of some sort. Yeah. um, How he would communicate news of this nature. This is how I see it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, yeah, so we definitely don't get why we're in pursuit of the ship right at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. but I think later on during uh, Mud's sort of hearing, we get the sense that like, it's kind of like he's done a traffic violation of mm-hmm. he's not responding to a starship vessel, which, you know, you're probably supposed to, you don't have your um, identification beacon on, so you don't have a valid license plate. Um, and then you're speeding and you don't pull over for the cops. <laughs> yeah. And like when that came up in that interrogation, my instinctive response was like, space is not yours Kurt yeah like, right <laughs> yeah like it was kind of like who made you the space police yeah for like the enterprise or the starship like fleet, the star to fleet be. yeah yeah because we talk about I think we've talked about them previously how it's interesting that they're routinely checking up on all humans in space in wherever they may be and like offering supplies and medical or whatever and essentially like and it kind of comes up in this episode too but being sort of their only link to continued survival 
her guaranteed yeah, well-being. Right. It's an interesting position for Starfleet to place itself in. Like, if you really want to, based on, you know, this wealth of knowledge we've built from only seven episodes, yeah. comment on the politics and the <clears throat> government structure of what the Starfleet em- Enterprise, or not the Enterprise, sorry, the Starfleet seems to be, seems to be a little bit of a benevolent dictatorship. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of Big Brother going on. <laughs> I would Just say. a little. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it seems a bit like a police force in yeah. the sense that it has the right to pull over vehicles the way that MUDs refuse to and like check up on stuff and then um but then also you know we'll get to this later but they go to the mining colony and and they um they don't have the right to expropriate resources mm-hmm. they're prepared to purchase them um yeah so but that would be true of in theory the police as well but like i mean the uh, well we can go on a tangent on what the police actually are but mm-hmm. <laughs> i would say like if the police is you know, the uh, armed wing of the state for enforcing um, or being the the sole, oh, where am I going with this? Um, state sanctioned violence or whatever. Um, then, I'd, yeah, it just struck me as kind of weird. It's like, okay, you have the authority to pull over vehicles and like do searches and stuff, but yeah. you don't have the authority to expropriate resources. Okay. No, I'm um, thinking about it in the perspective of like, a police vehicle still needs to pay for the gas that they yeah. put into the car. Right. Yeah. But it's if it's an emergency, did the police pay for the gas? <laughs> I don't uh, know. I guess. Maybe yeah, after the know. fact. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I just don't unless you know you're talking about something where it's like a, a centralized resource. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking, you know, like we see this in other TV shows all the time. The police is like, I'm gonna commandeer your vehicle. Like <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, TV shows don't really show you the aftermath, right? Like, no, you need a exactly. For it, yeah, totally. Reparations right. or something. Yeah, and who knows if that's even like, real? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if we're going to talk about like, um, you know, screen depictions. This is the entire reason why the superheroes were asked to go into hiding in, in the Incredibles, right? Is because they're right. causing too much civic damage that yeah. you know the civic bodies are getting incapable of keeping up with financially so yeah. like in the moment yeah they can do whatever they need to but after the fact there's consequences consequences totally so i don't um, know if that applies to star sheet or star starfleet as well yeah right yeah it was it, it is interesting like that i guess not yeah. quite a dichotomy but that yeah. sort of like where do you sort of hold back and where do you assert your authority yeah that you know is maybe one of the things that they should make her more clear to us because we don't actually fully know what Kirk's authority truly is. Right. Um, yeah, I think that we could talk about it later because I think that does come into play with the sort of the climax of the episode. Um, but before we get there, the other thing that I wanted to mention was we're watching the, the series on Netflix and mm-hmm. this is the... Um, I forget exactly what they've called it, but it's the remastered version. Mm. So all of the cut scenes that show the Starship Enterprise in orbit over a planet or like the Starship in space, um, those are not the original uh, scenes that were aired. Oh. And I'm, yeah, like it's, um, they've updated it. So it still kind of oh, looks dated to us, but yeah, it's, um, I should see if I can find you the <laughs> some of the original scenes, especially mm-hmm. this one, because we have, 
a pretty dynamic little um, ship that turns out to be Mud's cargo ship, you mm-hmm. know, floating around and like navigating asteroids and stuff. And I'm really curious <laughs> to see what that looked like in the original airing. Um, puppet times. <laughs> in puppet times, totally. Because I think um, I might actually have that on DVD somewhere. I should dig that out. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, 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 I will say, like, yeah. not knowing this at all, I will say, like, everything seemed a little crisper to me. And I was very impressed. Yes. I was like, this is great. Yeah. This is sparkly <laughs> and pretty. It's still obviously <laughs> old school, but it's like, it has an impact. Like, it's stunning in a way, right? Yeah. And that's that's because it's not original. <laughs> that makes sense. Because I don't feel like I saw that frequently in prior episodes. So. Yeah episode seven treat yeah while you look for that i'll continue with the plot for that um but yeah so you have spock being snake for a sec and then we have you know this like impending disaster basically and so kirk makes the call to have the like the navigators basically sulu and the other dude um employ a deflector shield off the enterprise to protect that other ship but like acknowledging the fact that this is basically going to like damage the the enterprise will take damage as well if it does this because it's like very energy depleting. And so as the enterprise engages this deflector shield to protect the other vessel, the engine temperature on the enterprise itself starts to climb. And for whatever reason, at this very random choppy juncture, they decide to cut to the intro song. And, you know, we have our little whatever happened while uh, the engine's heating up. And then we head back to this tense bridge and um, lithium circuits, which I guess is the the power source for the ship start to explode. So they have one explode and then a second one explode. And at this point, Kirk is like frantically asking the transporter room, are they able to beam anyone off that ship onto the enterprise? And Scotty says that that's impossible because they are not really getting a signal off the other ship. So they have nothing to lock onto. And then finally they get a distress signal and they're able to beam the first guy on and they beam this like incredibly piratey looking dude. And I think he's basically dressing and acting the part of a pirate who starts off with a slightly British sounding accent, which slowly becomes more Irish sounding to me, <laughs> but you know, goes through some, some uh, metamorphosis. And this is Captain, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just shared uh, a side-by-side comparison of the Enterprise in another episode that has to do with mud i guess we haven't seen the end of mud um but uh yeah on the left you can see the original which i sort of remember from watching the dvd version and it's very clearly a model um you're filming as opposed to the updated version which is cgi so what i'm what i'm looking at is they basically did a lot of photoshop essentially where (laughs) the planet got bigger so the scene we're looking at is basically an enterprise flying across a planet in front of a planet and you have the planet get bigger with cgi it becomes like more gaseous looking i guess rather than a marble with that's backlit and then you have like a spaceship with lights on because that's pretty cool but yeah that's quite different (laughs) yeah so the lighting is much more subtle um and there's just definitely much more detail and then lots more stars um yeah so that's what i meant when i was saying like it looked more striking was because i think the the galaxy itself looked much more sharp like you yeah. could see multiple colors multiple yeah. stars and i think yeah. that's one of the biggest differences in this comparison as well but yeah. wow well, <laughs> yeah, this is a very necessary change i'm glad they made it yeah it totally yeah. 
completely changed the entire viewing experience of this episode i'm sure yeah (laughs) okay well yeah so we have our british irish whatever pirate guy who introduces himself as captain leo walsh i would like to interject here just for a brief second and go off on a little bit of a rant um because this the whole accent thing really bugged me Mm -hmm. um because it felt like it was sort of playing into stereotypes of like irish people are scoundrels um oh i didn't even think about that yeah and you know what this really reminded me of um Mm. in thor ragnarok um uh what's his face oh the actor's name is on the tip of my tongue but the character's name is scourge i think and uh, like is that the blue guy no he takes over from uh goodness i am definitely not prepared for any of this um scourge takes over from idris elba's character to be uh manning the bifrost oh yeah yeah i know who you're talking about Uh, carl urban Carl Urban is the actor and the character's name is Scourge and he's a scumbag. Like he Mm -hmm. sells out. He eventually redeems himself in the movie, but he's a scumbag. And his accent for that character is this like Cockney accent. And you immediately are, you know, signaled with that accent that he's trash. And and I hated that. I was like, with the Cockney accent, aren't all trash? Like, (laughs) Well, they're just building on a body of work because, you know, go back in time, any adventure action movie, the villain is always from the UK, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's always a British accent, no matter, Jafar. I mean, I'm going to give you all Disney examples because that's all I know, (laughs) but, you know, Jafar, (laughs) Scar, they're both British accents. Right. Um, I'm sure that I can't think of right now, but those are like very distinctly British accents. Fair. Um, Especially Scar, whose brother sounds American. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Mufasa is absolutely American. Also like minor, if we are, you know, going on tangents, just a minor comment. Did you know Scar, before he got a Scar, had a different name? And I think it was Taka or something. And his name was actually Trash. Like, so his parents called him... Yeah, Trash. his brother. His brother was named Mufasa, which I think, from what I remember reading, was translates to king. Yeah, and they named his younger brother Trash. Trash. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> that speaks to me on so many levels, <laughs> right? Like, have you read the Have you read Freakonomics? Um, no, I haven't. Um, okay, so they have like this whole chapter analyzing sort of essentially like the self fulfilling nature of. Names, circumstances, and your names, and do yeah. they set you up for success or failure? And but textbook example of yeah, you name your son Trash, and he turns into trash. You know, he's resentful <laughs> and he's angry <laughs> and he's jealous. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why you named him Trash. Like if um, your sibling was named the King. bestest, and you were named Trash. trash. <laughs> I feel like um, you have some resentment. Yeah, totally. Um. <laughs> and that also reminded me um i came across a theory that in fact um scar ate mufasa after he killed yes, him saw that. Yeah. um which is horrifying absolutely that's he's su- playing with the lion the skull. skull he's playing with his brother's skull that's super gross um the yeah. eating thing is like okay whatever but then you're playing with the skull of your dead brother that's that's bad that's bad things well i mean yeah like not to excuse his behavior because he's terrible but he's gone through some things yeah trauma yeah yeah the trauma of being named trash and then getting the scar justify shitty behavior obviously but you know like circumstances did not necessarily 
support the generation of a nice person at the end of all that. Right. Like people who hurt, well, lions that hurt other lions were themselves hurt probably by other lions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Parents, shitty ass parents. Um, Yeah. uh, yeah, Okay. So, okay. You're right. So like English accents as villainy is not entirely unheard of. I guess I was just kind of pissed because like you add this Cockney accent which definitely smacks off of like low class and i was just Mm -hmm. like you can be a villain you don't also need to be trashed yeah i don't know i was pissed about it yeah Um, no it's fair but like i think i think it is subconsciously just sort of a way to because a lot of this is directed primarily to american audiences right right it is subconsciously or unspoken or maybe not acknowledged i don't know but just a way to sort of like maybe make it a little bit more relatable to the average audience yeah as like you're the good guy watching this show about good guys dealing Mm -hmm. with the other guys and how do we set these other guys apart it can be through appearance it can be through like very obvious character tropes and like accent is just like a super easy way to separate them I think which doesn't justify it obviously but no no right like it's a it's an easy way to me it just feels kind of lazy then you're just perpetuating mm-hmm. stereotypes um mm-hmm. harmful Absolutely. stereotypes so yeah so shame. Like I, was, shame I was looking for more examples just now and then there's yeah. this article I came across talking about why do cartoon villains speak in foreign accents so mm-hmm. maybe expand it beyond just you know, English, British, Commonwealth right. to just non-American. Yeah. Which is, is true, right? Like you have yeah, a lot totally. of German Slavic villains. Yeah. You have a lot of Asian villains and yeah. with their accompanying accents. Yeah. That's unfortunate. We don't like yeah. it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't pick up on the potential intent of why this guy has an accent. I was more sort of thinking along the lines of like, just sort of historically, or I guess in, media the representation of pirates is yeah. a sort of like british background and so yeah. that's what i thought Cornish it was or, yeah right like it's playing into the definitely the targeting yeah. the the pirate stereotype with yeah the, and because the piratey like, sound it comes up later more and more how he's supposed to sort of embody a pirate as like yeah totally <laughs> deceiving and conniving and stealing and scumbaggery and you know he dresses the part with his like totally. shirt and his <laughs> oh my eyes love the earring so the <laughs> earring he wears on his like left ear i think a yeah. dangly earring yeah. but i guarantee you that is not an actual earring it no. looks like a keychain that yeah. was attached to his ear as an earring and all that this character was missing was a stuffed parrot on his shoulder or an eye patch <laughs> or an eye patch or a peg leg like yeah, that's what he needed totally um he literally appears right so okay so um back to the story <laughs> um they overextend the enterprise overextends itself um by deploying its deflector shields to cover the ship mm-hmm. um things are going bad we're blowing out circuits but uh scotty spock and bones down in the transporter room managed to retrieve first captain mm-hmm. leo walsh as he claims to be with his dangly earring his billowy shirt with kind of poofy sleeves a wide belt i think he's even wearing like boots um like he literally just needs mm-hmm. uh an eye patch and a parrot and it's a halloween a, costume it's totally a halloween costume it's hilarious it's like um definitely stands out from the costumes that we've seen so far mm-hmm. um and then we see the ship blow up but scotty has somehow sort of gotten he's locked on to some targets i don't know i've just got this horrible feeling of like these poor women as they turn out to be sort of 
you know, decomposed and trapped, just like trapped mm-hmm. in the ether of space, but Scotty manages to get them. I don't well, know, man. Scotty's amazing. So. Yeah, but like okay. transporters, pretty freaking scary shit. <laughs> Which, you know, McCoy tells you. He basically, because yeah. they're, they're engaging in this back and forth about how, you know, they're running low on power on their ship. The other ship explodes because I think it like gets hit by an asteroid. Yeah. They've got one guy on. He's not being super clear about how, like, who it is who that we're beaming there? on we just know it's three people yeah and scotty's working hard at it and the energies are running low and beaming itself requires energy and you know you have mccoy being what i'm calling in my notes essentially a boomer as the kids would call it so, yeah you know, i never trusted these beaming technology things totally. i never Very did trust it. yeah <laughs> and then just like oh i don't understand it therefore it's bs yeah um but yeah, it eventually Scotty being amazing and, you know, because things don't actually go wrong in an irreversible way on the show, he's able to bring these three people on. And after much effort, it actually ends up being three gorgeous women, like extremely beautiful women. Super who, bodacious. Who look like, you know, they're off to the Oscars or off to turn the letters over on, you know, yeah. the, the wheel. Vanna White. Or whatever. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> but anyway, three of them um yeah they're instantly instantly instantly. everybody's like entranced yeah yeah they're like three very attractive women dressed to the nines in very glamorous clothing Mm -hmm. um like very out of place yeah hair nails gowns um yeah because like you have a pirate right again if you were to actually go to historical piracy they're dirty they're stinky they've been at sea for months and months and months like you're not gonna get ball gowned begowned women yeah on coming off a pirate vessel <laughs> which like already sort of like should because it's the beginning of the episodes anyway should yeah. sort of make you question things but yeah. they appear they're they're gorgeous and you know scotty and mccoy essentially are like steps away from literally drooling it seems yeah. like it's super gross like it's extremely off-putting yeah it's it's just like oh they've got these like stupid dreamy smirks on their face and mm-hmm. it's just like oh nothing and, and mccoy especially like he's got basically this dumb grin yeah his eyes are just like popping out of his skull yeah and, like in addition to what he said previously it's just like the perfect stereotype like it's the creepy old man who's yep. like leering at the younger woman is, is yep. essentially what's happening here and it's yeah massively gross super gross thankfully spock is like looking at everybody with eyebrows going up like what uh, yeah i even but forgot he, spock was there because all we were supposed to care about he, was how beautiful they are and how i know those men are but he's both checking out scotty and bones like what is what's going yeah. on people you yeah. humans you humans that's the thing yeah. though is he's not even like what's going on here it's like oh my gosh humans yeah. are stupid and it's like yeah. oh, spock like come on you're supposed yeah. to give us a bit more credit sympathize. than that okay yeah sympathize <laughs> A little. Or like your Spock senses should be tingling that this is like not entirely out of character, off, yeah. but there's something going on here. Yeah, but like Spock. at this point, they're beautiful. But I think both of us immediately did, or I, I think maybe it took us a second. Yes. But like basically, like they're beautiful, but so like there's women on the ship on there's the ship crew members, right. and at that point, the hypothesis was maybe they're like the Vila in Harry Potter, who are like right. these enchantedly beautiful women who you know, you can't take your gaze away from who yeah. unnaturally affect you. And like, now that I'm thinking about how the rest of the episode plays off, this never actually gets directly addressed about how it is that they have such a strong hold on everybody who's looking at them. 
Right. Because like when we get to the reveal later, which maybe I won't spoil right now, yeah. it, doesn't talk about, it mainly talks about how the person it, is affected themselves rather right. than how the people around them are affected. Cause it's not, I mean, I guess maybe I will spoil it. It's not an illusion no. and it's not, it's not like a, like a love potion or a right, charm where you're affecting other people's perception of you. Yeah. It's a modification it's, of the person themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. Right. So it's, so it's never really fully addressed why it affects people to this extent. The way it does. Yeah. So it does actually like maybe with the remainder of the explanation, it does actually boil down to they're being creepy because like they're perceiving them as being so perfect that yeah. they're unable yeah. to take their eyes off them. So right. um, yeah, like I wonder to kind of be more on the generous side, um, you know, like you see if you're going out on your day, if you're going shopping, whatever, you see like hundreds of faces uh wherever you go but occasionally you see someone who is so strikingly you mm-hmm. know attractive or there's just like an unusual feature set that you've never seen before or something where it is very hard to not stare the unfortunate part is is like there's very much a feeling of like lewdness mm-hmm. with the staring that's like blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah but like again to sort of build on the example you just gave like you would see someone that's stunning but the presumption is eventually both of you need to go about your business you can't yeah cannot keep continue to staying at them right and then like as we get later into the episode when we talk about what it is that leads to this why is it only women that are taking it to influence others considering how creepy you know pirate guy turns out to be yeah he wouldn't he wouldn't you know not benefit from from affecting super. himself yeah, yeah exactly yeah and he chooses not to so anyway so it is very yeah. much a male gaze on a female um totally. a female sort of ideal of of what beauty should be kind of thing right yeah but anyway so at this at this point in time we don't know very much so it doesn't really make sense how entranced everyone is by these three women who are yeah. beautiful no doubt but like you know there's a lot of beautiful people on this like i think all the women on the ship are quite attractive actually yeah <laughs> But yeah, so Pirate Guy is uh, called to see Kirk and um, they're on the elevator, I think, going down to go see Kirk and Pirate Guy makes some comment about how it's like entertaining how Spock is unaffected by these women because he's so unfeeling and like non-human, I guess. And one of the three ladies um, basically tells Spock not to take offense or, you know, expect much from a man like walsh who is used to buying and selling people yeah this uh yeah this was very offhand yeah this was very offhand and it was not addressed it was not an offense he was charged on it was never brought up again it is never a source of concern and yeah it was just like such an offhand comment but so disturbing yeah totally like Um, this is basically slavery trafficking it's You're trafficking about, like, sla- yeah. yeah ownership shadow slavery and trafficking <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah uh it was uh, super <laughs> kind of out of left field but then also like oh okay that there oh yeah okay not to say that you don't suspect something is going on no it's, it is a very suspicious set of circumstances that these three women are the only people who were on board a ship with this very different man right they don't belong they don't clearly belong as a set of any sort yeah so there is a power dynamic that's pretty evident but you know your first thought may not have been 
you know, mastering, you know, like <laughs> yeah. subjects, right? Like yeah, portfolio right. Or in, or in possession. Yeah. But yeah, that's sort of mentioned in an offhand comment. And of course we don't dwell on it at all. We just no. continue on. Gotta keep moving. Gotta yeah. keep moving. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So they get into, uh, they meet up with Kirk and Kirk is like, you know, their crew and Walsh is like, no, they're cargo, which is mm-hmm. like, just build, builds off of that comment. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and Kirk like mentions in his log that the women have a mysterious appeal. So like you know we have those those couple minutes of like what's going on here, and then it sort of comes out that like okay, like he's not unaware that there's something strange going on yeah. with these women. Well, when they first walk into the room that Kirk is in, you know we've already sort of like sidebar I guess, but through these episodes prior to this one this is a character trait or a personality trait that Kirk is assigned is Mm -hmm. that he is very sort of like not sexual per se, but like very into the women and the women are very into him. Right. He's attractive. He's into attractive people. He's basically doing what attractive people do essentially. Right. Like he notices beauty and, you know, we have like the backstory at one, one of the episodes of how he essentially almost got married to this blonde lab tech who, yeah. you know, clearly was someone who wasn't at the same position as him and things like that. But yeah, he's not like oblivious to people who are pretty or whatever. And so when they enter the room, while he's like distressed about what's happening, he is taken aback. Like he's stunned yeah. into silence for a second yeah. as the three, these three women enter the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow... We have him not unaffected, but he yeah. is already beginning to question the appeal because I think you just sort of like have also a visualization of the effect these women have on, on everybody in the right. ship. Yeah. Like all the crew members are seriously affected. Yeah. All the male crew members. <laughs> well, yes, yes. I mean, yeah. who knows if we had more female crew members, they might be affected. Yeah, because... right? Like that's a very, it feels very heteronormative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's just sort of benefit yeah. of the doubt. Assume the women may have been equally affected, but mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about men we and their wives in this episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're just, yeah, very yeah. much a heteronormative lens. Um, right. So Kirk's obviously pissed with mm-hmm. Walsh um, because as we find out, uh, you know, we're basically running uh, a very shaky setup um yeah. lithium crystal energy wise um and it's been and, wasted on this character who yeah who's just like i like, have women cargo and i'm a bit of an asshole <laughs> yeah and like you begin to question whether the whole thing is even worth saving like the women seem like innocence i guess in some sense so yes yeah. but the pirate himself is kind of like icky yeah totally and he's so at that point, totally and like kirk at that point is like security take wash to his quarters which i'm sorry i need to pause here they have security yeah <laughs> do you know yeah. how useful the security would have been in every other episode without well, yeah. fail there was no not a single episode where kirk's personal security wouldn't have been useful i know not one i know <laughs> and they pull it out for Walsh, like Walsh not mud. for janice getting assaulted <laughs> I know. not for charlie x destroying the ship yeah not for the shapeshifter lady from the man trap yeah person I, doing uh, stuff like, I feel like they did pull out security i feel like security appears somewhere in there not because they're summoned by kirk 
No, maybe not. <laughs> it just seems like, you know how you like have referred to in passing red shirts here and there? It's like they're just doing the dirty work here and there. Yeah. Here it's like explicitly sounds like security assigned to Kirk for his safety. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Right? Because he's like security and they're just what, standing outside his quarters waiting for him. Yeah. Commands right. constantly. And then yeah. they take him, take Walsh to a an area, a quarter, and they just stay there. Like yeah. that's their entire job is to like just stand there. Whereas in the past, with like I, super psychic, powerful beings, yeah. they've relied on force fields and empty rooms with nobody around or yeah. you know, esper doctors who should be pretty <laughs> easily manipulated, but no, no, that's enough. Let's just yeah. leave this one woman who's <laughs> super into human <laughs> beings in charge of guarding this other guy. <laughs> so if you haven't heard any of the previous episodes, none of that made sense, please go back and listen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit unusual, but maybe this is just like obviously Walsh is so harmless that you can't afford to put some security detail on him because he isn't going to melt them with his mind. <laughs> maybe, but just the fact that they've always existed and never been employed specifically, explicitly as security is irritating. Yeah. <laughs> because like it's just shit gets created to solve them. It's like a very ad hoc creation of solutions to problems as they appear. Which yeah maybe is fine because this is a spaceship and this is space travel and space adventuring and we're not completely familiar with every element of it fine it's a very minor thing for me to be throwing a flash about I fully acknowledge that but if this existed we should have seen it by yeah. now we should have been using it a bit more Kirk <laughs> is doing his hero bullshit all the, all the time. time he needs security yeah <laughs> and like every time he goes down onto a planet as a landing party of him and all the highest ranking officers on the ship i'm sorry he didn't take security with him then so dumb <laughs> <laughs> very questionable choices yeah like what terrible leadership especially when it is such a single person in charge of everything everything leadership. yeah exactly such a like it's a, such an absolute hierarchy and so you put the top yeah. of the hierarchy in danger's way yeah all the way yeah ridiculous yeah. but anyway um, so security is <laughs> stays with him yeah and he's to remain confined there and yeah, yeah the male crew members are still reeling from the strange the strange hold of the women have them yeah yeah um and scotty tells spock that they're in trouble like they have one <laughs> lithium crystal left it has a crack and i think spock suggest well run a bypass and scotty's yeah. like we've burnt out all the circuits and i'm just like who de- who designed that <laughs> where the fuck is the designing engineer responsible for this setup because it needs to be taken out back and slapped i want to defend this design engineer a little i refuse design- to <laughs> i want to so i'm gonna do you this do that now. okay okay, defend okay. This design engineer by saying Fine. he designed the ship for a logical captain spock he designed it for spock and and scotty he definitely didn't design it for kirk fine yes fine okay in in this designer's defense he was not expecting this hero complex right yeah basically sacrifice the lives of his 40 400 crew members or bank on some other divine intervention to save the lives of his 400 crew members in order to save this ship full of People he didn't even know were on it, honestly. It could have been an right. empty ship for all he Could have been an empty ship, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. so the hero complex was not part of the design specs, is, Which is what I you're will, saying. Which <laughs> yes. I will say, I will say, as an engineer, maybe he should have idiot-proofed it a little bit more. And yeah. And said idiot being Kirk, but... Yeah. 
you can't you can't design for everything you know like, yes <laughs> yeah you know the, those are good points i'm yeah. still i'm i'm still yeah, a little bit like this, to be. yeah there wasn't enough idiot proofing i think that's a really no. good way of putting it um yeah yeah, yeah. And you're allowed to expect more because we live in a time where space travel is allowed, apparently. And, Ex- exactly. And is a thing. So yeah. how could you not understand human nature well enough? Right. So I'm sorry. How the hell did Kirk get appointed captain? Was there no point at which you could pick up on this behavior know, prior right? to him being in charge of a whole damn ship? So yeah. no, there's no personality test. They only yeah. check for Esper, but not hero complex. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> incomplete. But also, I just wanted to say in the interaction between Scotty and Spock, when, you know, Scotty says they're in trouble, before he expands on the fact that it's a lithium crystal, I totally thought it was Scotty basically admitting, like, we're in trouble. These women, they're too hot. We just can't. They're just too hot. They're just, we can't handle it, man. Can't handle it. Um, Yeah. 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 My my wiener, it just won't listen to me. Can't can't suppress erection. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But Um, yeah. So we're in this chamber with Walsh and the security guards. We're still reeling from the shock of the obvious (laughs) design flaws of the Enterprise when we cut to Walsh, who is in the little conference room with the women. Um, And he's basically just like, you know, it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. You don't lie, but you don't let them do a medical exam. Mm -hmm. One of them calls him Harry and he's like, no, my name is Leah Walsh. Remember, like, no, no, he says Leah Walsh is my name. Is my name. Because he's a pirate. Because he's a pirate. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not. Let's yeah. not forget that. This is very important right. to the plot and everything yeah. to do with everything to do with it, basically. Yeah. But yeah, he's characteristically smarmy. Um, and yeah, and the security people are there, right? So he can't be too open with what it is he says to them. Yeah. So he's trying to couch his like instructions to them as he thinks he's being super clever. But he's like, yeah, don't lie because you don't have anything to lie about. Like, and don't submit to a medical exam because you're so healthy. healthy. You don't need a medical exam. Like, it's, you know, how stupid do you think the security is? <laughs> very, very stupid. Um, which they may be. We don't hear uh, a word yeah. from them, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps they are quite stupid. But he says way too much, in my yeah. opinion, Yeah, um, and in just front of not, security. This, again, so this reminds me of, like, either Disney or theatrical sort of acting, where you yeah. have to have a lot of exposition and dialogue. Totally. So this was that, basically. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Here you go, audience. I am up to no good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you think I was trustworthy? Well, give me a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, we're, we're twigged that if we weren't already suspicious, we should really be suspicious now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut back to Spock and Scotty and Kirk discussing the lithium situation. And Spock's like, well, there's a lithium mine not too mm-hmm. far from here. We could um, probably get lithium crystals. It's a good ore. Um, let's go. And it's like mm-hmm. a two day travel if they run it on like backup impulse power or something like that. So away they mm-hmm. go. They have a destination. Um, they're going to hit up this planet and get their lithium stores uh, back up to date. In the meantime, we're going to have a hearing of Leo Walsh with a lie detector that just sort of pops out of the conference table. Um, it's an Alexa that can detect yes, lies. You're right. Um, yes, that's, a, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so there we go. We've got uh, Leo Walsh and the three women and then um, all of the top 
brass of the Enterprise, which <laughs> happens to be all men. <laughs> Spock yeah. and Uhura is not in a position of power. Is she just like as like communications lead... officer? But she's she, like she's on the is she not like head communications officer? Is she oh, not no. head of a communication department? Maybe she's too um, busy for this. This is sort of my assessment of this entire episode is she's too busy to do anything but communicate. <laughs> yeah, she ain't got no time for any of this shit because nope. she's busy doing her job. Which unlike all these shame. other slackers. Which is a shame because I would love to have had at least one scene. I think this is what you were getting at at one yeah. point while we were watching, but I would love to have had one scene. Like, let's even just presume the women are more... Like, you know, the women, whether or not they would have been attracted to these, like, to the ship women, whatever. Set that yeah. aside for a second. But if you had a female crew member witnessed basically how stupid the male crew members were being yes. around these three women, I would have loved for one of them to basically sass someone about it. Or like, totally. Like, are you serious? Have you never seen a person before? Have you never yeah. seen someone beautiful before? Have you never Just been like, attracted to a person before? Cut have you them never down had an erection before? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, cut them down the size. Not even like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. But like, because yeah. we don't want that. What are you doing? Like, can but, we all be grown-ups here? <laughs> yeah, like, Jesus, put it away. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we didn't have that with a female crew member either, which is quite disappointing. Absolutely a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just gonna, we're gonna, oh, what is it when you like make up alternative stories? Um, is there a word for that? Why do I feel like there's a word for that? Fanfic. Um, we're gonna fanfic it <laughs> and um, imagine Uhura's response to all them dumbs uh, being yeah. dumb. Oh, you know, there'd be a lot more to fanfic about this episode than just Uhura not being. Oh my gosh, there's, there's, there's a lot. So much more. I would love to redo our version, our retelling of this episode at one point. If yeah, you know, we're lacking things to talk about. Oh I yeah, doubt, but you know, why not? Yep, yep. But um, yeah, we're at so, this trial with Alexa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who presents as. Um, a wave, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a very nice sinusoidal wave when everything's going okay. And when I heard you say waif, like W A I F, she no. was a person. I totally <laughs> missed that. Uh, no, it's um, it's basically a, uh, yeah, a sinusoidal wave, is right. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, when Walsh speaks, usually he's lying. And so it just turns into a whole bunch of staticky, non sinusoidal yeah, like people. She lie. doesn't like that. She doesn't like it. Um, yeah. So we go through a bit of an interrogation. It turns out that Leo Walsh was the name of the the captain registered to this vessel who was going to actually be like the pilot or whatever. And then he you died. That? I don't. Um, yeah. But that's the story. Yeah. And in fact, the real name of the pirate before us is um, Mud. His name is Mud. Fenton. Yeah. Harcourt Fenton Mud is his full name. Short. Or that's what gets abbreviated to Harry. Harry. Harcourt yeah. is Harry's full name. But yeah, that's the mud from the title, you guys. Did you yeah. catch on to that? That's, that's mud. <laughs> these are his women. That's these are mud. Women. And these are mud's women. Yeah. So clever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we get a gander at his criminal record, which is uh, transport of stolen goods, purchasing vessels with counterfeit monies. Um, he's a scumbag. He's apparently oh. had psychiatric treatment, but that didn't really seem to stick. Did um, he have it or was he basically like sentenced to it? I, well, that's a good point. Um, he definitely was sentenced to it. And I got the impression looking at the record that like they were inconclusive as to whether it actually worked, which I feel like right. we're looking at evidence that it didn't. But that's also, I don't know, there's something kind of like 
a little bit creepy about that of like okay he's doing bad shit so like what did you do a whole bunch of electroshock therapy to like align i would like to think i would like to think it is a gentle therapist who says let's maybe talk about your childhood why are you this way yeah (laughs) what brought you here yes than electroshock therapy (laughs) right like i would hope that it would be therapy in a rehabilitative sense if that's Mm -hmm. a word um but there's just something about the way i read it which immediately made me think that no like you just tried to like brain wipe him <laughs> into being Which a good citizen. Maybe a space thing, right? Like maybe we're implementing our primitive Earth standards onto this space bound society. Like, yeah. Shame on us. Maybe Earth brain wiping is a totally legitimate response <laughs> to the trials and tribulations of space yeah. travel. Still yeah. kind of struck me as a little, a little too. Totally. Two totally. out there. But anyway, so he's I didn't, been... I didn't pick up on that at all. He was just like, go to therapy, boy. And he's like, no, thanks. No, thanks. No. Yeah. Um, right. So we, you know, he's a, he's a bad egg. He's a bad egg. Mm-hmm. And, and anytime he lies, sorry, I do have to mention one thing he says. Yeah. In keeping with his, you know, British slash piratey character thing um when the computer keeps like calling him out on his lies and he's like insisting that there's something faulty about it there's no way he's not lying it's the computer's problem yeah. and everyone's like no we're, you're, we're on to you he's like yeah blast that tin plated pot yeah <laughs> whether you're a pirate or not you were operating a space vessel why yeah. do you call like why do you talk like you're straight out of like the golden age of piracy? <laughs> yeah, but like, who? What did you just go to get? You know, like frozen in a block of ice and then thawed, and then you just sort of like learned enough to operate in this current time, i.e., <laughs> how to fly a spaceship, but you couldn't give up your ways. Like, is this like when you emigrate to a new country and can't drop your accent from your hometown? Yeah, is this what it is? Like That's you were what that is. stuck in an old time, and now you can't break that habit. Like I've got wow. to break free, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> right, um, right. So we get all the dirt on on mud, and then the computer sort of, you know, laser focuses its gaze on the other side of the table and mentions that all of the men on the yes. the, the court side, like. Um, Kirk and all of his men are experiencing, um, you know, elevated uh, pulse and mm-hmm. perspiration and increased temperature. Like, you know, they're obviously hot and bothered by the women. I don't think Spock's lived in there um, or lumped into that. Um, mm-hmm. But all of the human, fully human men are yeah. are obviously under the effects of the women. So this <laughs> comes actually a couple of seconds later. So they've already sort of like, the computer knows everything about Harcourt or Harry. Yeah. But when Kirk asks the computer to do reads on the women, yeah. and it can't detect anything, right. it then it almost feels like the computer's also basically human, where it's like, I'm sorry I couldn't tell you anything about this, but here's all this other stuff I right. know. Don't think I'm stupid. I know yeah. stuff. <laughs> so here's all the dirt on these guys sitting here who are basically like hot and bothered by these gorgeous women. Yeah. And Kirk's like, Spock, please strike that off the record. <laughs> it's so cute. He's just like, just strike it. Just get yeah. it off there. Yeah, let's not do that. But yeah, so Kirk basically charges or, you know, makes a ruling on the pirate and charges him with menacing operation of a vessel without a license and not responding to a starship vessels called slash signals which is what we were talking about earlier which yeah. is like, i still have mixed feelings about this like i don't right. know if that should be a chargeable thing but i guess even in our times not responding to a cop pulling you over is a thing 
yeah alternatively um, like um you know we sort of perceived it as like starfleet as the police mm-hmm. um but i wonder sort of like i mean i don't know enough about nautical real world sea going things but i wonder if it's sort of like i imagine you know if you hear a, a distress signal you're expected to respond um but it wasn't a distress signal no i know but i'm saying like you know and so maybe the with space travel you know, maybe it's, it goes a little bit further that if you're hailed by another vessel and you don't have any reason to suspect mm-hmm. that they're pirates or something, like you are expected to to pull over. You are expected to... But that sounds to me, at least, maybe, like, again, with my very limited non-knowledge of space stuff, just sounds like a matter of etiquette more than anything else. Like, right. not yeah. law. Yes, yeah. Right? So, like, mm-hmm. it's it's nice to be thoughtful of other vessels in space beside you but we have also potentially discussed the you know possibility of the ship being unmanned like yeah. i don't i haven't heard anything to make me believe that's not an option yeah and so in that case let that have been the alternative plot i don't know like yeah. Kirk has basically busted three out of four things lithium crystals there's a crack on the last one in pursuit of this empty ship that gets exploded by an asteroid belt and there's nothing to show for it like mm-hmm. at some point as a captain if you're not getting any response back, don't you just cut your losses and leave and rather leave, than yeah. basically make it a whole trial where you, you know, charge this guy about something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 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 It's, it's weird. There's definitely some holes mm-hmm. in what's happening here. Um, like unsafe operation of the vessel. I agree. Like if you're going to be yeah. a hazard to people around you, that's pretty bad. Licenses. Okay. Sure. You need some way to regulate stuff, I guess, but also mixed feelings about this, but the whole responding to the signal thing was maybe what stuck with me as being yeah. like a little bit unnecessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Mud's charge was all of this. We're all left with mixed feelings. How does all of this space travel work? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sort of turn to the women. Like, what was the purpose of your journey? Why do you have these three women and you call them cargo? And uh, so it's explained that in fact, Mud recruits wives for settlers mm-hmm. um and he used and, wives as a word, verb here where he's like i'm wiving settlers but yeah pretty much um <laughs> okay which, yeah you're not even a person you're in action now yeah um, like you individually as a wife are not a human being no you are something a settler will engage in yeah yeah like it's super it's gross um it did also make me think of uh i want to say it's the the king's wives like i think the french did this um with quebec that women were recruited um and sent over to you know beef up the female population of quebec and i think they received some financial support from the crown to sort of encourage them um i had no idea yeah so it's not entirely unprecedented i mean i'm just trying to remember this from like grade 10 uh yeah. social studies education but yeah um it doesn't seem has, like these women are getting paid for it though that's the thing is like if i remember correctly with the french practice like there was some incentive in the sense that like okay if you go you know the the french crown is going to provide you with almost like a dowry in a sense of like mm-hmm. you're not going to go and just have to find a man like you you know you mm-hmm. will have a bit of support, not very much, but... You'll be an attractive wife. 
Right, and you'll have your, your pick of men and, you know, yeah. and maybe a, a small yeah. parcel of land will be allotted to you or something like that. Yeah. Know. But the motivation um, here is very different yeah. because one of the three women basically like seems very distressed when she's communicating this, but says that they all come from planets with no men. Right. Or like, no, I read that as, or I interpreted that as no available men that like she in particular, I think mentions that she has two brothers, brothers that yeah. she's taking care of. Um, but there's no eligible men for her to partner off with. Um yeah, no, I think I meant more in the sense of like, it just basically feels that the number of men is dwindling or yeah. lower and yeah. that it is more likely to encounter females so that the few men that are around are sort of like spoken for in some way or the Take other, it. right? Like, yeah. yeah, you're either someone you cannot marry by the conventions of your society yeah, or they're already taken. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which like strikes me as interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would leave a planet because there was nobody I could marry on my <laughs> right I, like it I mean it feels very alien to us um yeah I think in that yeah. it sort of falls into that trope of you know that's the only way for a woman to to you know escape the backwater town or to establish herself yeah in some form of independence is to go and find her own husband when in fact like we're on a 400 plus crewed spaceship that has women who mm-hmm. are for all, you know, all that we've seen in the entire implication is they are not married yeah. or involved Other in options. Yeah. This is basically these women are frustrated with it, with where they were living, did not see much of a future on the planets they were on, particularly related to there being no men that they can pair off with. Mm-hmm. And so they are all super eager to go to these settlers that Mud is taking them to and to be their wives. And one of them, who is the only one whose name I actually remember, Eve, <laughs> is <laughs> very frustrated that they're now headed in the opposite direction of where they would like to be going. And she said this before as well, actually, when they were hanging out in the conference room with the security guards listening on. She did seem frustrated at that point as well, that they're going away from what it is that they need to go. And Eve actually brings up at this point that she's frustrated with the way people are looking at her and how they're all perceiving them to be the equivalent of like harem girls. And she mentioned yeah. some Saturnian planet or something. So I guess there's like cultural stereotypes in the space world as well, but there's <laughs> yeah. some planet where harem girls often are found or hail from. I think mm-hmm. it's also referred to in the Mantrap episode because I think that's who... The guy, the first guy right. who dies, sees yeah. in Nancy Carter. Yeah, creator, the, the girl was. from the pleasure planet. Yeah. So, yeah, so she's, she's pretty frustrated about what's happening, but nobody seems to really do much about it. And it becomes sort of like a thing that's said and not much is done with it. But um, Kirk basically says that mud will be handed over to legal authorities and the women are stressed out. They don't know what to do. They don't know what this means for them. Yeah. And they're asking for help. And we cut to, I don't remember who's having this conversation, but basically the last crystal is done now. Yeah. And right. Like we're cut off. The The women mm-hmm. are like, you know, it's going to happen to us. It's going to happen to us. And then like the lights flicker and, yeah. you know, we're on battery power. We've lost the last mm-hmm. lithium crystal. We really can't worry about your problems because yeah. we're sort of floating dead in the water. And, yeah. and really need to get to 
the mining planet to stock up on lithium crystals like sorry ladies yeah <laughs> later yeah. we need lithium yeah and as as the crew members leave the mud mud and crew to be mud basically gets this like creepy look on his face and you know he has now identified a new opportunity as an alternative to what it is they were doing previously and yeah in true creepy creep fashion he basically says you know what you guys can be married off to the wealthy miners. So this is not something I'm familiar with prior to this episode, but maybe it's just sort of understood that miners in this world are incredibly wealthy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about them being able to buy entire towns and cities and stuff. And so it's basically like a private trade, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so these lithium miners will have a lot of wealth and somehow his plot ends with him taking control of the enterprise such that Kirk will be taking orders from him. Yeah. But that was kind of interesting. Also, yeah. <laughs> prop observation here. He is a pirate, right? And yeah. pirates are often coded as partly this whole like British scoundrel thing that we've already spoken about in some way, but also as like foreigners in some senses. So you're talking about the dark hair and the yeah. swaths, the swarthy appearance and yeah. hair everywhere. And I don't know if this is just how the hair on this actor's chest grows, but, but you had a nice little shirt and then you had like very equally distanced placed little curlicues of hair that I am fairly convinced were just glued on. Totally. It's Perfect. super gross. <laughs> so you have mud looking you know, true pirate with his glued on chest hair. Yeah. His potentially glued on chest hair. And yeah, at this point, um, the other, the green dress lady who we think is called Ruth, I feel bad, but I didn't really register their names. Yes. They're almost like yeah. non-entities essentially. Yeah, I'm, pre- yeah, I'm pretty sure she's Ruth. The blonde one with the short hair is Magda. And then the woman in the pink dress is is eve right so ruth heads to the med bay and at this point it sounds like the three of them are you know down with the plan to marry the miners and this becomes more evident later on but basically the three of them are off on recon missions now Mm -hmm. and so ruth heads to the med bay to inquire um basically ask mccoy if these miners are young and healthy and Mm -hmm. you know mccoy is just like thrown aback as usual as soon as he sees her <laughs> and as she walks past his medical equipment it starts to like blip and bloop something's happening yeah and he asks her to walk past his panel again Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he does not waste that opportunity oh you want me to walk past your panel, panel huh? <laughs> are you gonna examine me no i couldn't possibly control myself Ooh, she said too much <laughs> yeah <laughs> gross <laughs> yeah basically she wants to know if the miners are healthy and mccoy is like yeah absolutely they are mm-hmm. doesn't seem to care that she's asking this question yeah and he asks her if she's wearing a special perfume or something radio or if she's radioactive <laughs> i know I'm like that's you what like i don't know man maybe living in like post um nuclear weapon like <laughs> dropping but uh, as soon as someone mentions radioactive i'm like whip out the geiger counter and get freaked out like <laughs> yeah well, was that machine a geiger counter i don't know i have yeah, no idea I'm wondering. but that's i had a good laugh of just like well yeah. you're way too chill <laughs> yeah like this is your question because if she is radioactive you're right there. You're not wearing yeah. anything to protect you from radiation. But yeah. 
you know, it is the future, what do we know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, no, it's just, just me. <laughs> and then, and in like moments later, Kirk goes to his quarters and finds Eve in his bed. And she says like, I hope you don't mind, but yeah, everybody like was looking at me. Staring at me. And he's like, I do mind, <laughs> but yeah. I'll talk to them. But then, you know, they get drawn in and they have this super close conversation and we get the mood lighting and a close up of Kirk's face. And I think he's wearing falsies. Um, or because... at least like mascara. <laughs> Or do you they think it's separated. False? I think uh, it's false because it wasn't okay. separated. It was like a sheet of eyelashes. So unless, you know, some men are have beautiful eyelashes and he may be one of them and it might just be the makeup, but it did not, it, it was an interesting look. But basically his eyes are enhanced by makeup in some way. Mm-hmm. And they have a moment where they look into each other's eyes and, you know, come very close to potentially kissing, basically. And mm-hmm. then Eve withdraws and says, she can't go through with it. I don't care what Mud says. I hate the whole thing. I can't do it. So she's got a conscience about something, but we don't know what that something is at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which I think, like, this is sort of where I interpret Mud's comment about Kirk taking orders from him is that, like, this is a plant. Um, oh. she's suggested or he's told Evie like go and seduce Kirk and then I'll take over kind of thing right okay I might have missed that earlier but yeah um, yeah that was my thought no that makes sense oh, okay especially because like the other two are off doing something very tangibly related to mm-hmm. their impending arrival on this mining planet and I wasn't super clear what Eve's role was yeah but yeah so you have the other two women get back to mud in their in their you know quarters and they have their recon info saying that the miners are young healthy men and the other lady magda has just determined that they've been alone for over three years and yeah that these men are miners of lithium crystals and they're concerned that they won't actually be able to interact with the miners because they're not actually going to go down onto the planet and only really going to circle from 100 feet away and um Mud basically says, don't worry about that. I'll figure it out. And he lays out some plan. But like like I was saying, this episode was so blah for me in a lot of ways, even though this is like an exciting moment of plans being developed. I think I mm-hmm. zoned out. So I don't know what the plan was. <laughs> but it um, ends with him framing Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of missed it too. I think it's that, you know, he wants to... He's somehow getting the women married to the lithium miners is somehow going to make him rich and he'll frame Kirk somehow and it's all going to work out and it doesn't make any sense because it's like, Kirk, well, Mud, you're not marrying the miners. The women are. Yeah. So how does this yeah. all work out? Maybe um, the miners pay him for the wives because it's cargo, right? I don't know. Maybe he's just like so smarmy that he will, you know, get himself out of any situation. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but, uh, or like maybe it's, it's Evie. Maybe he has a plan for, you know, Evie to somehow but even prior when he was on the ship taking these women to destination unknown I think he names a planet that I can't remember but yeah. there was going to be something that helped him gain wealth control power yeah something yeah something know. so yeah there may be just something associated with transporting these women and dropping them off that results in him getting power and we just were so uninterested <laughs> mixed in yeah that early so as we made it out for us yeah <laughs> yeah um, so we have Evie yeah. come into plotting headquarters and, and uh, she's not well no she's not well she's not well um yeah. she and she admits that like she can't 
um she couldn't do it with Kirk I think she says something <laughs> along those lines of like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it I couldn't do it mm-hmm. um I'm feeling super unwell mm-hmm. and uh, it's time I think it's it's almost time and we're kind of like what like what does that mm-hmm. mean um what do you mean it's time like are you about mm-hmm. to molt or something <laughs> yeah are you gonna explode implode <laughs> yeah um but yeah Yeah. so with that cliffhanger um (laughs) we cut over to uh yeah (laughs) to mccoy and kirk sort of discussing the women on the bridge as the situation gets more dire of course we're you know Mm -hmm. running lower and lower on power we're still a day out from the planet Mm -hmm. um and uh, Kirk and McCoy are talking about the mysterious effect these women have on them. And, uh, and McCoy says he, he didn't, he couldn't examine the women, but one of them did make his, his machine go all wiggity whack. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wonders, you know, are they actually beautiful or are they just making us all think that they're beautiful? Are they aliens or illusions? Um and uh, but he points out that if they are aliens doing this, they should have been smart enough to not set off his equipment. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, they blew it there, and that seems out of character with um, the hypothesis of an intelligent alien. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, at one point, Kirk says something to Bunt, like asks him. I don't even remember what the question was, but Mud tries to or. Um, uh, Bones tries to ask it back, and Kirk's like, "I asked you first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think there's something going on here?" Yeah, and right. Basically, like, do you? You? Think there's something going on? <laughs> yeah. And I think there's Spock hovering in the background, just sort of rolling his eyes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that would be too much emotion for Spock. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So in the meanwhile, we have Mud um, calling the miners and Rigel 12, which is the lithium planet, and basically coming to some sort of agreement with them. And this is a brief interlude. And then we're back to the room where they're all plotting their plots. And the women look very different because I guess it's time. And um, I was hesitant to like describe this at the moment until they explicitly used the word themselves. But at one point, Ruth's like, I'm ugly now. I'm so ugly now. So basically, they have all change their appearance or they look very different now their skin isn't as taut it isn't as bright or glowing um they have some like very very artificial looking wrinkliness and loose sagginess i guess and then their hair's a mess very brittle and yeah dry and messed up and they are they're almost like they look like they're in pain in physical pain yeah and yeah. they're desperate for some pills that apparently keep them from appearing ugly and the the Ruth and Magda are particularly vocal about not wanting to look like their ugly selves so there's some like self-esteem issues here for sure yeah while Eve seems to start developing a more vocal conscience about what it is that they're doing and she doesn't want to cheat people into perceiving her as something that she isn't mm-hmm. eventually she like sort of succumbs and takes the pill from mud but doesn't actually consume it in front of our eyes but does at some point obviously based on how she appears later yeah and you know the reason she even takes it from mud is because he the consummate salesman basically tells them that it's not a it's not a cheat it's it's a miracle yeah you look wonderful and you're like transforming into who you're meant to be essentially and the pills work almost instantaneously and the other two women their skin changes their hair goes back to being sleek and glossy and then they start to writhe around less in pain and more like they're so like 
turned on by themselves and so yeah. pleased in their appearance. <laughs> like this weird sensual dance happening in the background. Yeah. yeah. I have my beautiful body. I love what it does to their hair, though, because I mean, it goes from like kind of wild, rats nesty, and then suddenly it's like perfectly quaffed. And I'm like, I, hmm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Later on, we talked about how the pill basically means that you have like better lighting on your face like a ring light or yeah. something and you, you got in to go see someone for a blow dry appointment so. yeah a blowout and you got your nails did and mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it's yeah, amazing pretty, pretty much it's like uh, it's the salon yeah la technology you know what it's probably time travel <laughs> yes <laughs> the hours it could potentially take for you to appear a certain way and yeah. makes it instantaneous right yeah. So the pill is actually a bunch of little hairstylists in yeah. the capsule. And they That's pop right. out and do their thing. And then fast. they disappear. <laughs> and then they disappear. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So uh, we finally arrived at the planet. We've got uh, about three days of, of fuel for maintaining this orbit. Um, and then we're shit out of luck. So the, the clock is still ticking. Still need those lithium crystals. Um and so the three miners are beamed aboard and Kirk's all ready to begin a negotiation and be like, you know, I'm, I'm authorized to buy lithium off of you at a reasonable price. And the miners are just like, yeah, screw it. We don't want your money. We want mm-hmm. the ladies. Mm-hmm. We want them. So Mud's totally been back channeling um, mm-hmm. and just like, you know, I got these ladies and the miners are like, ladies, woo which um wow seriously <laughs> yeah that's pretty gross super nasty and then to like top it all off they're like um also you need to drop all charges against mud yeah. so yeah. um and we've hidden the lithium on the planet so if you don't agree uh that sucks to be you because you're never mm-hmm. gonna find the lithium without us which like mm-hmm. it just strikes me as like a bad deal all around like okay cool so they agree to your terms you get the women mud goes free you give the starship the lithium what stops them from coming back <laughs> yeah it's not very well thought it's like you know how kids plot to run away from home totally it's like that level of plotting where we want this thing so badly we're willing to barter for human beings yeah and we think we're so clever we have you in the corner you're of course going to agree to our terms but we are not going to think about subsequent consequences here right that doesn't like, matter because yeah. we already have won by then yeah like we're not you know i don't that feels like there could easily be i don't know like sanctions against this colony by starfleet i don't know maybe i'm thinking too far ahead but anyway it just seems like a very short term stupid yeah. plan <laughs> i mean and you know kirk could have gone that route about like well what do you think is going to happen after yeah and yeah. Well, i think he does say that doesn't he he's like you know we what like supplies medical help oh okay like well, right he said, now he says yeah. yeah you know like okay fine if you don't give up this stuff what do you think is going to happen in the future for yeah. medical supplies i didn't necessarily understand it to mean if they didn't give them ah okay if they went through with their deal it would be yeah like the the punishment later on i thought it would just be immediately like you have to agree to our terms because we're only we're your only way to get resources was how i understood it oh okay but Um, either way either way basically you know asserts his authority as someone with authority authority because he's Mm -hmm. the captain and Mm -hmm. then mud just kind of bursts in and there's the ladies and the miners are like (laughs) ladies um (laughs) 
and Mud's like, haha, I won, bitches. Um, you better take that deal, Kirk, or else like you you screwed because battery yeah. power is draining. Yeah. Um, and so you know, we don't get Kirk agreeing right away, but the next scene is Kirk, Mud, and supposedly Spock beaming mm-hmm. down to the surface. But both you and I were like, that does not look like mm-hmm. Spock, but it like does it. have pointy ears. So Exactly. That was it. That was the only tell was the pointy ears. So the theory is Nimoy was busy that day. So they, they got somebody else in a double. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a wide shot. So you can't even really see anybody's faces, but it just really didn't look like. But it's so obviously anymore. not him. Like there's something yeah. off about the hair. Yeah. The yeah. hair and then maybe the stance. But anyway, yeah. so clearly not Nimoy, but Spock is beamed down. And then we get yeah. to see the the mining colony, mm-hmm. which for these miners are supposed to be bazillionaires. And mm-hmm. yet they live in like little igloos and it's yeah. obviously very like lonely and shit. So I don't know if like their wealth is currently unrealized. <laughs> well, I think I think this is where I'm confused is if they're this wealthy, why are they reliant on supplies delivered via the Starfleet? Yeah. And does this like once they're on this planet, are they here forever? Do they get to take vacations? Do they rotate yeah. off the planet? Do I don't know. People come on. It sounds yeah. like none of the above. Yeah. So yeah, it's but it's confusing. It is a little bit confusing, and also just like it's such an inhospitable place. Yeah. So like, actually, to go back a couple of seconds, like again, the landing party. We've said this a couple of times. The yeah. landing party is Kirk and Spock, like the Stupidest two highest ranking officers ever. on yeah. the ship with Mud, who we don't trust. So I don't know why he's down here. No. And we don't see the ladies beam down, but they're there. They're there already. And um, they're all landing on this planet that looks very obviously inhospitable. So mm-hmm. again, just why? Why is this the choice for people landing? Where is the security at this point? Yeah. But you know, that's what we have. And we have these confusingly rich, not rich miners, miners. who, you know, are suffering without company and are willing to apparently trade for them. Um, welcome these guys into their little trailer park, little residence <laughs> on, <Yeah. laughs> on this lithium planet. Yeah. And Kirk's like, can we have some lithium? And miners like, later, we busy. Yeah. They're just like hanging out with the ladies. Yeah. Um, and they start dancing, but Eve is not really into it. She's looking out the window and like it's so inhospitable. And so they're the not mind- dancing yet. I actually really oh. found the timing of the dancing funny. Oh, so okay. they're just hanging out. I think each of yeah. them, so there's three minors and three women, and they just all just naturally pair off. And the other two are, you know, flirting with the minors while. Childress, Childress, I don't remember, but the only named minor who has a major enough role in the episode is talking to Eve and talks about how crazy and horrible the planet is. And, you know, there's an impending electromagnetic storm and Mm -hmm. awful wind, yuck. And then Eve starts coughing and sneezing because of the the dust. dust, And to distract from that is when Magda's like, let's uh, dance. Okay. Yeah. And start dancing. I'm like, wow, you really don't care about the fact that you're basically going to have to live on this gross planet forever. Right. Um, like, what is your motivation? Like, I sure, you yeah. want a husband, but you want to live here? Yeah. I From the other two, I definitely get this sense of like ambition that like yeah cool we're gonna marry them and we're gonna get all of their money and then we're gonna run away kind of thing yeah. which they don't explicitly state and, and maybe that's very uncharitable of me but they strike me as two very ambitious women beyond just we're gonna get married but like no right. we're gonna take this further 
Right. So they're basically trying to look for opportunity, however that might look. Yeah. And like, it isn't you know, necessarily about companionship. Right. Like the two of them in mud feel like three little peas in a pod, whereas mm-hmm. Eve is supposed to be, you know, the virtuous counterpoint who feels bad about being <laughs> deceitful, is looking at her future on this planet yeah. and feeling yeah. absolutely miserable, probably because she yeah. doesn't have a plan to screw over this miner and yeah. take all of his money and run away. Like to her, this is it. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah. yeah so she's uh you know she's obviously feeling it and uh, the other two women are dancing it devolves into a bit of a fist fight because there now aren't enough women to go around for all the miners and well nobody eve, wants eve they both right. want or all three of them want the other two and they're like cutting in with each other and yeah you know eve is used to being attractive to people even if she doesn't enjoy the attention so yeah. that can't sit well with you and yeah. yeah she's like well you can have a raffle and then whoever loses can settle for me sob 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 and runs out onto the dangerous planet yeah <laughs> which is kind of like huh, really <laughs> and she was the only one that actually got the places dangerous speech right, the right other two, exactly. we don't know if they got it or not but yeah but she she's knows too hurt too upset yeah safety be damned <laughs> yeah and, uh, and of course, you know, never one to pass up an opportunity to exert his gallantry. Um, Kirk takes off after her mm-hmm. into the storm, <laughs> mm-hmm. as well as the miner who... As, um, as the miner explains to Kirk, there's a storm. He's like, doesn't matter. We'll be back before them because I'm Kirk. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm a hero. I'm a hero. I'm a Gary yeah. Sue. Ain't got no time for your bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so he runs out. Miner runs out, like you said. And it's windy. It's very windy. Super windy. They've got bits of what styrofoam or something, you know, smacking their faces. Yeah, like snow flocking or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's pretty bad. And so we don't really see um anyone give up, but there's obviously a commercial break there. And then when we come back from the commercial <laughs> break that didn't actually mm-hmm. exist, um, they're back on the starship, uh, Kirk and Mud, and they're trying to do the search from the ship with mm-hmm. like infrared scanning or whatever. But the magnetic storm on the planet is interfering with their ability to do that. Um, and uh, they're running out of time. They've only got about five hours of power left. Um, they still haven't gotten this is the... such a novel and exciting plot point, right? Like when we I know. So, geez, like I've never felt this it. kind of tension before. Yeah, I'm so um, tense. I'm so wow. like, engaged. So surprised. And, yes, the tension. It's so, <laughs> so novel and engaging yeah. and surprising. Can't even right now. No. Um, and yeah, and the miners are being dicks and haven't delivered the lithium yet, even though they have mm-hmm. the women now. I don't know. Anyway. Um, and uh, and so, you know, there's this tension of we don't have the lithium. We're still trying to look for the miner and Eve who are still the spirit of the storm. Okay, so um, question here. Yes. They need the lithium. I get yep. it. You know, yeah. you're waiting around for this. But can you not strong arm the other two to just give you... Because right? you've obviously officiated a wedding. In the middle, yes. Like, right? like, the, the deal has been concluded. Go. Yeah. Yeah. I know, like, obviously, no man left behind, no woman left behind. So, of course, Kirk being, again, the hero that he is. It sounds so disparaging. I'm, I'm glad he cares about life. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, of course, being the hero that he is, cannot leave until both Eve and the other guy are found. But realistically, like, from how bad it looks outside, three hours is a long time. They did. And so to continue holding out hope yeah. past that period of time seems, again, just like such poor choice, like, decision-making yeah. as a leader. Totally. But he continues because, of course, it's Kirk. 
And yeah, I don't even like at this point, I'm not even convinced just because they haven't acquired the lithium. It almost feels like they haven't bothered to acquire the lithium because they're so hyper-focused on finding these two people. Yeah. The planet. Right. Yeah. Like there's, you know, maybe it's like, it would be uncouth to bring up the point of the lithium <laughs> while the leader of the miners and his yeah. woman, who's not actually his woman, but the woman is, is missing. Um, anyway, uh, uh, thankfully, they have, in fact, um, survived, and mm-hmm. uh, we see the miner has recovered Eve and carries her into his um, little private abode, igloo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and lays her down on the bed, and then he lays down on the bench um, mm-hmm. and falls asleep and then wakes up to her um, at the stove cooking food, and, like, the place looks like it's been tidied a bit, and there's a bit of back and forth of, like, I had it just the way I liked it, and she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I ate your food, so I paid for it with chores, and and he's like, oh, you know, like, there's some back and forth about, like, I the male ego. Yeah. I can cook for myself, and she's like, oh, I there's a male ego. I haven't touched you yet. <laughs> yeah, there's a big fixation on having not touched her yet, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, like, female cooking, don't expect me to, like, like it yeah. just because it's women's cake or something and she fires back like it's great you know she's like oh there's mm-hmm. the male ego and um you know it's still gonna taste like you're cooking because there were three layers of your own leftovers still there mm-hmm. um and and he's like well find me some water and she's like you have a sandstorm outside mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and so we see him hanging up his pots outside he's like yeah i think it might work mm-hmm. um and uh and then at some point um some time has passed and she's playing cards at the table and the sorry pill- prior to this prior oh, to sorry. this they've yep. actually picked up on the fact that there's some signals on the planet all right okay so they're yeah. down to 43 minutes of power they've been searching for over seven and a half hours at this point which again yeah. seems like such a waste yeah and they detect heat and this is from spock basically spock says this is probably the stove being used and this is when we cut to her cooking so we're like okay, okay. she's alive she's, she's alive cooking. Yeah. So Kirk is going to go down with mud. We know this prior to the whole interaction that um, Childress, Childress, I still don't know his name. Yeah. And, the, and Eve have. So yeah. when she's like, I don't know how much time has passed between her and him having their little like sassathon and you know <laughs> her playing cards and Kirk showing up. But I don't imagine it's very much time. No, it hasn't been too much time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's lost her looks. The effects mm-hmm. of the pill has worn off. And mm-hmm. uh, and he's looking, he, the miner comes in and looks at her and he gets angry. He calls her homely and, and he's frustrated, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of just like, I don't know, mate, like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, this is like, not what it was promised. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then Kirk and, and Mud come in and they explain that the women are taking the Venus drug. Um, mm-hmm. which according to mud enhances what people already have. It makes men more muscular. It makes women rounder as he puts it. <laughs> and, you know, miners like that's real. It yeah. Exists? It exists. I only thought it was a rumor, or, you know, Sounds like the gossip. fountain of youth or something. Pretty much. Yeah, it yeah. does. Um, and it turns out that the other two miners have gone ahead and married the other two women, um and so radio wedding (laughs) in a radio wedding and so this minor gets really mad because he's like we've been cheated yeah um and uh um and this is where it all goes if it wasn't already headed downhill this is where it all crashes really burns yeah although so like eve um you know gives him a hard time and says like i think 
she takes the pill. She ends up taking the pill because Mud has some there. And she reverts back to her beautifully quaffed self. And she's like, you know, is this what you want? Beautiful and useless. Or do you want, you know, basically a partner? Um, it's great because she says, you know, do you want someone to be there to to sue and cook and cry with you kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, which I felt like that, you know, she's offering partnership as mm-hmm. opposed to I'm just going to submit to you and, and be your yeah. wife. And, and that's how I get out. Like, it, it feels yeah. like a very empowering sort of speech I liked it and it was really interesting because it wasn't based on what you would often imagine sort of the motivation for this kind of connection would be particularly at that time in media it wasn't about love it wasn't about affection it it was about companionship and like camaraderie and like playing cards with each other and sewing and you know not basically dying of loneliness on this super hostile planet yeah and you get the sense that like to her this is you know like I'm I'm looking for a meaningful life or meaningful work and and we can have that together yeah um and yeah so it's great um I really liked what she had to say and so then she takes Mm -hmm. the pill Mm -hmm. and um and uh kind of sits on his lap and is like what do you want this beauty and and uselessness um and the minor says something about how like it's fake and mm-hmm. then it turns out, stupidest thing ever. Kirk saves the day. Kirk is a cut. Shut the fuck up, Kirk. Swoops um, in. Swoops in and says, no, actually, um, we swapped the pills. This isn't the, she didn't take the Venus drug. She took colored gelatin and the beauty came from inside and believing herself. And I just want to throw shit. is such bullshit. Such a cop out. Yeah, none of the other women on the crew who probably believe in themselves enough to do the job they're doing were attracting attention in the right. same way. So, and, yeah, yeah, I don't believe no. that. No, no, like you leave it as is that she actually did take the drug and has this really good point that like, look, mate, what is it that you actually want here? Priorities, because I know what I want and this mm-hmm. is what you're going to get. And then it like, so stupid. And I was okay with the minor saying this is fake because it would be more believable to have him basically come around to it. Exactly. Because he's having to give up preconceived notions and come to terms with what he thought he wanted may not be what he actually wanted, right? Right. So it was okay for it to develop that way. But of course, nobody can ever not be perfect, right? Like the way they are. Like it's all about basically your inherent amazingness. Like we've talked about the whole in the context of the Gary Sue stuff that you're talking about, about how people are just innately amazing and innately yeah. wonderful, right? Like why isn't there room for flawed people to be totally. accepted for their flaws? And right. you know, because like that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's by by doing the swap, I feel like it a caters to the male gaze in that the minor still gets his bombshell of a babe mm-hmm. and also like really undercuts Eve in the sense that it's like well it was always inside you all the time yeah. and and like look you get to be beautiful all the time and it's like but I like don't think that's still making that something to aspire to right like right. all she when... did was to believe in herself to be gorgeous because the that's... state of being that's optimal for her is gorgeous gorgeous. like that's what she should want anyway she should want to be gorgeous when in fact she's made it very clear that that's not Not super important to her at all that she's more interested in having a meaningful partnership with this guy um so yeah 
it, mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw shit. I was like, man, like this was perfect. Yeah. Uh, I such also a, like, don't know a, how it works. Yeah. I just don't know how it works, right? Like, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Believing in yourself. Self. Make your hair beautiful. Age, like reverse age you because it, yeah. basically the main difference was that, you know, your body ages when the pill has worn off and mm-hmm. shown the effect of, I don't know, dehydration or not moisturizing or not getting, yeah. you know, proper nutrients in your food or something like that. And so how does I believe in my worth reverse yeah. all that? Yep. Like placebo effect, but no. No. Yeah. Because, like, they try to cover their bum by saying, like, it's enhancing what you already have. Yeah. So but like, it fits in with that narrative a little bit because, yeah. like, it's only sort of like a crutch. And, you know, if you achieve self-actualization, you can get there without the pill. Yeah. But still, highly unnecessary. Yep. Highly, like, forced. Yep. And kind of rushed, I guess, because it yep. just sort of wraps things up really fast. And, and like and cut yeah. and boring like yeah, it, yeah it's super boring because if you had left it as the actual venus then there's like change for all the characters and like it is mm-hmm. a happy ending in the sense mm-hmm. of like this is real world this is what yeah. people have to deal with managing their own expectations yeah. um and also like if you were to think about some possibly ugly outcomes the i forget his name already mud Mud yeah. seems to control the pill distribution and dosing yeah. for the other women too, right? Is yeah. he leaving them with a stash? Right. Or yeah. are they going to basically, like at the same time as Eve, obviously, turn their appearance so that it's what it is otherwise, right. like in the absence of the pill? Is yeah. this part of the ploy? To yeah. basically just sort of like foist them on these men who were expecting something else and got yeah. something else? like, Or is he giving them this drug, which they're like, you know, jonesing for? like yeah. <laughs> actual addictive medication yeah like what what does the unspoken actually mean then in the context yeah. of what you're telling us about you know what what matters is what you are on the inside because the other two seemed not very nice yeah <laughs> and like not very big on conscience or big yeah. on like fairness and kindness and thoughtfulness so like do those other two minors just basically live a life of like discontent or Mm -hmm. compromise or just like unpleasantness like what does it actually work out to because again I think I will acknowledge that maybe we put too much not expectation necessarily but expect the plots and narratives and episodes to sort of fit a specific sort of vision of what Mm -hmm. we're hoping for it to be a little too much because I think we kind of got hooked up hooked on the perception of them being cowboys but then every episode having like this moral issue and yeah maybe generally more often than not having that moral issue never be fully resolved because there's like points to be made on either side and you're sort of left uncomfortable with things that are real life and you know you don't have that here either yeah and I acknowledge it may not be fair to impose that expectation on the show but it works so well when it does Mm-hmm. adhere to that sort of recipe yeah. versus something like this where you know you have your pretty red bow all wrapped up yeah and everybody's happy I guess except yeah. <laughs> those who aren't you don't really care about you know right exactly we're, we're not gonna worry about them they're off yeah. camera yeah yeah and the tone is also so weird because like okay they're like okay cool this is just who she always was and then you know the childress childress whatever is willing to sort of see how it goes and yeah. she is too and Kirk's like do you want to come back with us and she's like no I'm cool here 
which again like what if it turns out they just don't like each other they yeah. interacted with each other for maybe four hours total yeah and as they're leaving Kirk and Mudd are like joking around they're quipping right yeah like, where Mudd's like so you know you could leave me here too and he's like or as a favor or do me a f- something be nice to me and he's like oh you know what I'll be like a character witness at your trial unless you know you don't want that and yeah so- <laughs> Like, so all that just happened. We're, again, so content with how that ended that we're moving on to jokes and then moving on to just, I don't know, it's just such a weird tone to me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, I think, you know, it plays so weird because we aren't satisfied with the resolution of Eve and Childress, the minor. And the way, way, sorry, that Eve um, sort of, what's even the word sort of like concedes to staying on this planet mm-hmm. is she's like i'll stay here and you know kirk you're married to your ship because like right. somehow there was a real potential for Still them there. to pair up apparently <laughs> and she's accepted her lot in life because you know mud has hinted at this previously as well that you can't expect a partnership from kirk because you He's know as we've seen in a few different episodes he can't be with anyone except right. the ship, which is a whole other like angle that I have so many so many complaints about <laughs> yeah and, I'm sh- and if it comes up again in any other form in a future episode I'm sure we'll get into it totally but yeah so it's basically her conceding to sort of like quote-unquote settle for this minor even though you know it is what she wanted in, right. in more ways than one because she can't get what she wanted from Kirk right and Which he doesn't is- bat an eye he's fine yeah with it. he's like, he's like cool, yeah, whatever yeah. yeah you stay uh-huh. here yeah yeah, this is yeah. never going to happen. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so I'm glad you figured that out for yourself. Yeah. But yeah, so they leave. They're making jokes about his trial. Comedy seems super misplaced to me in this situation. But again, maybe I'm just like imposing too much sort of gravitas into a situation. Yeah. That well, we're too hung up. Have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, it just feels like they're brushing over potential totally. implications in a show again, where again, through our own imposition, possibly, it just yeah. seems like the 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 uh, message was to try and address them rather than brush over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're back on the ship. And of course, the engines are now, engines are now fully functional. Everybody's happy. Everybody's Yay. happy to no longer be entranced by the women. Yeah. And for, <laughs> you know, Spock's end of the episode quip, we have him talking about how he's so glad the excessive emotions are done with for now. And yeah. yeah. That's and Bones says end. something about, um, oh, you got me right in the heart, and Mime's, like, being stabbed in the heart. But then he's like, oh, wait, your heart is, like, and he points to, like, under his ribs on the side or something like that. Yeah. And Spock's last quip is, you know, the fact that my organs are arranged completely differently from yours is great. I love it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm deeply satisfied that we are not the same, Bones. Which, again, just such a weird, loaded thing to end on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah 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 so that was it that's the whole plot that's and it yeah how inspiring how inspiring um I will say that like so that obviously there's like a lot of problems with this episode but like I was glad because I didn't I sort of remember this episode but I didn't remember the details um and like I'm I'm glad that it didn't like the women do have, as I said, as we said earlier, like Ruth and, and Magda clearly have some ambition of, mm-hmm. of what they're going to do with their beauty. Um, they're in there with Mud being co-conspirators. 
and Eve is sort of in there, but she's also, you know, got a bit more of like a conscience and mm-hmm. has been thinking about the effects of the drug and what she wants and stuff. So like, they're not just, you know, these victims of human yeah. trafficking, like they yeah. have their own stories. They're complicit in some of the things that um, yeah. happen. So that was like, I, I was happy that it didn't just evolve into like human I mean, trafficking with faceless women. Um, it's a little bit Stockholm syndrome, but yeah, they yeah. have some like minimal amount of agency. Yeah. Not purely damsels in distress. Like yes. that's valid. Yeah. It's almost yeah. an act that they put on as a means to an end. Yeah. But, you know, so there was a period of time where I was very into YA, so young adult novels. And, yeah. you know, this is actually a very common not this exactly, but something in this vein where, you know, like the female protagonist will be someone who is like kidnapped or she's like born into royalty and there's an evil uncle. And so she has to be saved from them because they want to, you know, end the family line. So she's taken away and lives in like abject poverty or is raised by, you know, like, like Oliver Twist in an orphanage Mm -hmm. or is trained to be a thief or is like sold or is a slave or whatever it is and goes through these crazy, crazy hardships, but basically like develops agency through these experiences where it hardens her and makes her hyper capable and like, you know, a warrior to be reckoned with and whatever. And then therefore they emerge victorious, but it's on the on the foundation of a lot of trauma etc so you can be like it's kind of a slippery slope and it's not slippery slope sorry it's like a double-edged situation where you can be impressed that of for what they became yeah and like what it caused them to be but it's still shitty <laughs> yeah right totally it happened and like that they were put in the situation and you know the way they chose to quote not to say that someone who is in distress or is upset or succumbs emotionally to their circumstances any less worthy yeah. so like not to say that us being impressed that they weren't damsels in distress is like a criticism of damsels in distress because right. like you're allowed to be overwhelmed by your circumstances totally. and not decide to you know figure out a solution and get going yeah. but I think just like from a storytelling audience perspective I prefer a character who sort of like makes it their own in some way yeah and, you know finds strength or finds uh like a special specialization or an expertise that's kind of badass and you know like actual consequences be damned this is what was done to me this is who I've become now this is what I choose to do with it so there is just like some storytelling appeal in that kind of growth over I'm suffering I'm struggling come save me right yeah totally um especially like I guess in the you know the context I had a discussion about um oh what was it? it was a film that came out a while ago with joseph gordon levitt as a pilot of an airplane that's taken over by hijackers um hmm. and it plays into uh, the stereotypes of like obviously the hijackers are um in this yeah. case is a german flight and they're turkish yeah um and so there's like the islamophobia right there and it's like you know, did you need to have that? Um, yeah. His girlfriend gets brutally murdered in front yeah. of him. Spoiler alert. Um, yes, did you need that? Like, yeah. you fridged her. Like, was this entirely yeah. necessary? Yeah. And so I was talking about this with um, someone else and they were like, you know, they just totally downplayed it as like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. and I was like, but if every single movie that you see That's on that. the big screen 
has Muslim men hijacking planes, if there's a plane hijacking. And the man, the main male character's motivation is the death of a female character in his life. That he felt, you know, responsible for. Exactly. Then can you blame me for being so pissed when I see it again and so happy and excited when I see something that deviates from that? Like, Mm -hmm. and so I think that for me is also a part of it is that we have seen the damsel in distress so often Mm -hmm. that I am primed to want or to you know anything to particularly but. enjoy anything else that just yeah. shows hey yeah. a female character doesn't always have to be a damsel in distress yeah. she doesn't always have to be fridged in order to provide motivation to a male character like yeah show me evil women show me um ambitious women show me yeah. good women show me bad women like just show me people yeah who happen to be women yeah <laughs> actually like I was gonna say something's not the same but in the same vein earlier about how like, I'm glad she's not a bad person, but it's also interesting that the only person who, you know, changes their tune or has a conscience is a woman. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's also very stereotypically a feminine yes. characteristic where yeah. you have to be the voice of reason or you have to be yeah. sort of like the emotional. Compromise. Not even, not even just that, but more yeah. like, you know, you have your action hero and he's going to do what's right in the grander scheme of thing. But you have to have some more, someone more traditionally feminine, like soften him up to the idea of it. Yeah. And like open him to the possibility of accomplishing the same things he is without maybe causing as much damage, for example. Right. So you have to have Eve play that part here, too. But yeah. to what you were saying, what may have made this much easier to forgive in a lot of ways would be if mud was a woman Mm -hmm. i would love that like if you had a woman doing the pirating yeah in charge of other women like it's still icky what's happened like the trafficking element is not taken away by that yeah but them taking charge of their sort of like actions a little bit doesn't seem to have the same sort of like maybe i'm projecting my own biases here but it doesn't necessarily read in the same way like right as someone sort of overcoming their capturing when it's a male captor. Right. Yeah. Like mud as the trafficker, as we're Mm going to call him very bluntly, like him as a man with these three women who are his traffickies, cargo victims, subordinates. subordinates, um, Like it just replicates uh, a very familiar existing power structure that we see either in film or that we live with to some extent. Mm-hmm. every day of our lives because we live in a patriarchy mm-hmm. um so yeah having a woman there doesn't you know detract from the track from the fact that it's still trafficking mm-hmm. but it sort of upends or challenges the the power structure that we're so used to seeing um, and the villainy becomes less about you know biological power dynamics right and more, more about just about like people. means to an end or yeah. evil or yeah greed or power thirst or whatever it is and you can actually yeah I don't know that's just my wish for how things may have been slightly different yeah and you know obviously it would have been equally intriguing to me if the romantic interests were the same sex or gender rather than yeah like if the minors were women too I'd be happy to take that because I think that would add different sets of considerations especially for calling someone a fake for not appearing the way you thought they would yeah. Like, I don't see that playing out the same way if the minor were a female. 
you know, mm-hmm. like totally same yeah. women aren't shallow. Women are also shallow, but like, yeah, I don't think you could have played it off exactly the same way. Right. Well, and it would also like, you know, sort of open up more space, I think, to have a discussion about like what people want from their lives, because mm-hmm. the way that the episode is now, as it, as it was aired, um, you know, these three women are like, there's a, there's a tone of biological imperative under there of, you know, we want to be wives and to have families and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and as I was saying with like the, the French who did this, it was very much like we need a, a bigger Francophone population mm-hmm colony over there to you know maintain our interests kind of thing like there was very much a question of population mm-hmm. um and i don't think you can really escape that with this episode but if you have you know a same-sex couple that does sort of change the equation in the sense that like okay well you're gonna have to do a bit more if you want to have kids mm-hmm. um so what is it you know what is it about family life or living in a relationship with someone else outside of just having kids that you want um, mm-hmm. and and also just I think like to be a little sillier again um you know you have these women for a period of time you suspect they may be aliens for a period of time you suspect they may be you know projecting illusions and they just yeah. turn out to be like boring ass humans yep they're just ladies just took lady. like a youth potion and that was yeah. all it is right so like again if you were to think about it in other relationship dynamics like maybe that would have been more problematic mm-hmm. <laughs> that oh you know ultimately you're just like just like me actually if it were some another different kind of equation but you took a pill well yeah do you? <laughs> like, <good for> you. <laughs> yeah great <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so yeah possible like a lot of potential yeah um probably more so than a lot of the other episodes we watched like I don't think I disliked this one because of it being uncomfortable or poorly executed and like this is definitely one of the ones where you can make more concessions for when it was generated or created Mm -hmm. because like a lot of the ideas that we're talking about as alternative options maybe aren't like are, are more unique to being as normalized as they are to us in this time like mm-hmm. even now you can complain about representation in film like, yeah. it's not an issue that's been fully resolved so the expect it of that time may not be entirely like forget yeah. reasonable but realistic yeah um but yeah so that was that episode i mm-hmm. can't actually think of any good metrics to, uh like, venus on. drug doses out of five how many venus pills would you rate this article that's the best i can do i honestly i can't think of anything else how much right like lithium crystals how many cracked lithium crystals Uh, okay let's go with that five out of five cracked lithium crystals so that you you acknowledge that your rating is you know flawed because of lithium crystals exactly it's cracked yeah yeah Yeah. um so out of five it's hard though because you almost always end up comparing it to everything that we've seen prior i know right yeah, I was actually thinking earlier we were talking about how the imposter one, uh, the, the enemy within, was not yeah. so bad because of Kirk's eyeliner, but it was that bad because of yeah. Janice's assault. Yeah. So keeping all of the prior in mind, I probably would give this one, like I think it's better than some of the ones we've seen before. It's just yeah. very uninspiring. So it's a yeah. boring old three. Same. Yeah. I was thinking it's the same not, thing. Yeah. It's not a positive three. It's a boring it's not, three. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, points yeah. for not being terrible 
but no points for being fantastic. <laughs> points for not being as terrible as you could be. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and credit where it's due, um, definitely appreciate that, you know, the women are not just anonymous victims of trafficking yep. here. Like, they've got some depth to them. There is a bit of growth. Gets fucked over by Kirk and Mud at the end. But I'm happy to just pretend <laughs> that didn't happen. It's but then I'm, again, you're sort of like basically prioritizing only one out of that's 33% of the women. That's I not know. a lot. That's a very low percentage. So I know. basically um, petition for Magda and Ruth's story. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's what we should do is like come up with a story for them. For Magda and Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Ruth. Cause I think she was like, Magda still was kind of less named than the yeah. other two like Ruth had a bigger role but she was like yeah. so beautifully conniving and like, totally her eyes great. flashed evil so often and I yes. want to see like where she goes like what does she make of her life as a minor wife now <laughs> totally yeah yeah and you know like what happens to mud does someone become mud part two because I think you did mention that there's a future mud episode there is which I vaguely remember that being the case um so i guess we will see more of mud in the future someday yeah 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 Yeah. all right so that was this very long (laughs) (laughs) we may need to edit things out to shorten it a little bit but you know that's that's what we did (laughs) talked about a lot of things that were related or not (laughs) as one does um but yeah so that was episode seven and um we hope you will subscribe and rate the podcast wherever such things are possible and that if you would like to tune in to next week's episode where we review the next episode in the Netflix progression of episodes if you choose to do so please go ahead and watch that episode so you may you know tag along and call us out on everything that is wrong in what we portray of the show all the details we missed because we zoned out um we do have a twitter account and we do have an instagram account as well so definitely feel free to tell us all the things we got wrong on either of those platforms <laughs> and we may or may not completely ignore it but you know it's, yeah. it's nice to have the, uh-huh. the uh, platform to do so <laughs> and uh yeah until next time that's uh bye from me <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening guys bye